you know, the biggest thing I, I guess I do, I think, is I read people well. And it's very, very important to do that, probably in any industry, but I, I certainly find it in, in mine. So it's, it's not just sales. I don't really like to think of myself as, as a salesperson, right? You're servicing the, uh, your clients. But to do that, you have to be able to, you know, influence. You know, if you're going to talk them into that defensive driving scenario, you have to give them a, a reason behind, you know, why you do it. And you have to be, you know, you have to influence them. But you have to be able to read their take on it and react accordingly. So that would be the biggest thing. Get a lot of experience dealing with a whole variety of people. Because you do have to be a little bit of, when I say a chameleon, you have to change your approach with, with differing opinion, right? Not everyone works in the same manner. Welcome to the Leaders of Tomorrow podcast. My name is Chris Thompson, your host of the show and the head coach of the Student Works Management Program. This is a show dedicated to young and ambitious entrepreneurs and ultimately the leaders of tomorrow. Each week, we will bring you an inspiring interview or message to help you create the future you know you deserve. Let's get started. Hey, leaders. Thank you for joining me on the Leaders of Tomorrow podcast. I've got an amazing gentleman joining us. Uh, he was a top operator uh, back in the day and uh, a district manager, uh, graduated from Western and uh, Ivy Business School. Uh, he's the senior vice president of Gallagher Insurance Brokers, one of the largest commercial brokers in the world and manages large commercial risks, construction, bonding of large projects. And really, we spent an enormous amount of time. It was great, great full conversation around the insurance industry. How might one get in the insurance industry? You know, great practices about excelling and really excelling in any industry, but especially for someone in interest in insurance. And insurance is really one of the four pillars of the financial model today and really, really is very valuable to understand. We talked about how to mitigate risk in your businesses moving forward. So I highly recommend listening to this podcast. I know you're going to enjoy it. So uh, Robert, you know, a big thank you to Robert to come and join us on the podcast today. So if you know of any young, amazing leaders, we want to hear from you. Uh, come, you can email me at chris at leaderspodcast.ca or go directly to leaderspodcast.ca slash apply now. Thank you very much. Have a fantastic day and enjoy this podcast. Well, Rob, welcome to the Leaders of Tomorrow podcast. Really great to have you. Thank you, Chris. Happy to be here. Really great seeing you again. Yeah, I know. Well, you know, for our young leaders, it's been a while since uh, Rob and I were able to connect. Rob was a really outstanding operator and district manager back in the day, was a Western grad, and we got reconnected through another uh, Western Ivy grad, uh, David Barron, and, and it was like, what's okay. Rob Dempsey? I can't find him on social media. What's he doing? <laughs> I know he, I know he's a winner. I know he's successful out there, and we haven't been able to connect. So, uh, yes, not, yeah. Not not uh, a leader in social media, that's for sure. No. <laughs> <laughs> well, well, it feels like for us, it feels one of the things we really would love to do is connect with more and more of our alumni. And there's a whole group of them, like yourself, who just go, hey, whatever. It, it's it's my kids are on it. I don't need to be on it. It's no big yeah. deal. Right. Like but but and the only reason I must say the reason I'm on it is because my business is on it. So I got on it because otherwise I wouldn't have been. But tell me, uh, Rob, what you were like before our program. 
Uh, yeah, so before the student painters, I did the student painters after the, the first summer um, of university. I was very athletically driven. Mm-hmm. Um, school was uh, was good for me. I was always a, a pretty good student. Yeah. Didn't actually have to. Yeah, so it, it didn't have to work too hard on, on the school aspect. Really yeah. was driven, wanted to be, you know, a running back for a Division One team and all that. You know, but yeah, that, that never that never happened. Surprisingly, <laughs> you have to have goals. Um, so that yeah, that was kind of my direction. Really liked uh, maths and uh, and sciences. Uh, so thought about getting the engineering, but decided to go down a business path. Um, so then, expecting your next question, the uh, the one fellow comes knocking on my door within residence at uh, Medway at uh, Western. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And said, "Hey, we're we're doing this uh, painting thing. A little stuff right. that seemed odd. Oh, never heard of it in in my little area of uh, Woodstock. We really, really never had a student painter yeah. organization or one that I was I'd noticed, paid attention to. Um, so went down that path. Um, met Dan Sharp. Yeah, quite a entertaining guy. And went to the interviews. Really, really, uh, really in, in, enjoyed it. But so that's." I didn't know if I was going to get into business. I was more of a black and white uh, thinker, um, right? Not so much the out of the box, out of the box thinker. Yeah. Um, and uh, that was a great opportunity that I'm, I'm glad I, I did took the leap. Yeah. And so, if you think back, and I know it's a while, uh, but if you think back, you know, what, what were your big frustrations as a teenager, other than not being able to play Division One uh, football? <laughs> <laughs> That'd be my biggest one. Actually, blowing up my knee last year of university or last year of high school. Biggest challenges. I, again, I was I was one of those weird kids that didn't have my first drink. Yeah, you know, when I say uh, kind of maybe social drink, maybe had a glass of wine here or there. But I until I was nineteen, I didn't drink, okay. didn't smoke, didn't you know, wasn't in the pot, wasn't doing anything like that because I was going to be uh, this athlete. So. That was the biggest hurdle I had in my last year of university. I, I, I broke my wrist, but I still played that last year. But when I blew up my knee, it was, it was all done. Yeah. So then, ah, man, I got to go back to use my brain. You know, I got to, that's maybe my, that's maybe my path. Um, right. And uh, so we're kind of refocusing again that last year of high school and um, doing that. Uh, other challenges, is socially, things were always pretty good that way. Right. Um, so yeah, I wouldn't. I, luckily, maybe I was a, a lucky kid that way. Not, okay. Didn't really have a lot of challenges. Okay. And so, what do you still rely on from the program, Rob? Mm. The biggest thing was learning to think out of the box. No, uh, no problem just has one potential solution. Right. Um, so you have to look at all different uh, perspectives, the pros and cons, um, and the sales training you guys provided. Every industry then puts you know changes a little bit, but the yeah. sales training you provided was fantastic. It was an excellent foundation, taught you a new way of thinking. Because I don't think any teenager comes in really understanding how to develop a need, uh, for example. Or um, the uh, the process was quite strong. The fact you put us with a number of peers, um, you got to know all the other managers within Ontario, or most of them. Yeah. So then the natural competitive spirit, at least for me, that was, that's what drove me. I wanted to beat everyone. Right. Yes, so for sure. The thing that lasted with me mostly, I would say that still think about today occasionally is, is the, the sales process. 
the sales process. Yeah, no, that's great. And well, I know you'd love to hear is back in the day, we probably weren't able to really share what everyone was doing, except from a newsletter every two weeks. Correct. And yeah. see, oh, here's where I was in comparison to other people. Well, now literally our our, our database, people can get on it moment to moment, and they do <laughs> to see, you know, what's yeah. happened and day to day. And, 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 and again, it feeds that competitive need because most of our most of our young leaders are really competitive like you and I and they're attracted to that sort of environment and it's a competition that everyone wins because sure. you know there's no loser it's just you know <laughs> uh, uh, they're in a different market and they're just trying to chase themselves up the leaderboard and, and to more profit and more success yes makes sense but tell me about your 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 career progress, and maybe maybe want you start with hey here's here's what you're doing now, and then we can walk back to sort of to sort of what what you got started when you left Ivy and why etc. Uh, so now I'm I'm a senior vice president with Gallagher uh, Insurance Brokers. So we are um, we're brokers that offers all different types of uh, of insurance, but what I specialize in is kind of large, more complex commercial risks. Right. Um, and it's, it's typically construction, but I do do some transportation as well. Okay. But the construction has an arm that's called bonding. Um, okay. And within that, that's an insurance company that's guaranteeing the work of the contractor. Uh, so it's kind of unique in that you have to understand the financials. So, you know, coming back from Western Business School, right. having, uh, you know, the background to be able to jump into the financials in depth and explain them to the underwriter, to the insurer. Right. Um, so that's primarily what I do now. And, and that's mostly just within on Ontario. Okay. Uh, I do have some clients that, uh, that are multinational as well. But. So you're saying a large commercial project gets built um, and you're, you're ensuring that it will. Is, is, that, is that what it is? Yeah, it is. The, the bonding company is saying, so we're the broker. We right. get a, a, a third-party insurance company, the, the bonding company, to put their paper to say that if that contractor can't complete that job due to financially or they don't have the capacity or knowledge, whatever the case, we will do it. Okay. So it's, it's like this extra layer of, uh, of insurance. Right. Um, so most municipal contracts, uh, provincial, federal, uh, and some private contractors will require a bond. Okay. Uh, sorry, private owners will require a bond to uh, to ensure this project will get done for the price that was quoted. Right. Uh, because you always have some contractors come in, maybe not subcontractor, but a general contractor offers a price that's not reasonable. Right. And they say, well, okay, we want a bond behind that to make sure that if you can't, then someone else will. Okay. Um, so road construction, it's a common one. Um, you know, any infrastructure uh, money definitely requires a bond. Right. But, you know, Western, you know, University of Western is a common client of our clients, you know, okay. require bond, Fanshawe, whatever the case. Uh, province with the MTO, they need bonds now. So Okay, okay. And so the, so the company goes and puts their money up, but they use an insurance company who sort of takes that, takes that risk upon themselves and covers it. Right, exactly. And it's built into the contractor's price. So ultimately it's the owner. So it's a provincial right. or, or a municipal that's ultimately paying for that. Right. Um, but there's been municipal, many municipalities that have been burned in the past. They didn't get a bond yes. and then the price doubles from what they were originally told. So right. Right. That's, that's why bonding's important. Okay. Um, so that's what I do now. I've been with uh, uh, 
they used to be called Stevenson Hunt. We sold majority share to Gallagher back in 14. Right. So I joined Stevenson Hunt in 2005. Before that, I was with an organization called Cowan. Okay. Uh, Cowan Insurance Brokers, but prior to that, Frank Cowan Company. And that's what I went into. So I went into insurance right after university. Right. Um, glad I did in hindsight. Mm-hmm. But it seemed like almost a safer decision back then too. Uh, so I started with doing with Frank Cowan Company in municipal insurance. Right. We did actually we did, we did public entity insurance. So municipal healthcare. So we we're insuring hospitals, children's aid societies, um, healthcare's you know health units. Right. And so I did that in Eastern Ontario. So I lived in Coburg or uh, Kingston. Okay. For probably the first eight to 10 years uh, okay. and did that territory. I was doing Lindsay to the Quebec border to Hawkeye. Okay. okay. And uh, so traveled around. They would always be working with a local broker, but I would be the one coming in and doing the presentations to the municipal councils or the, 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 the hospital board, things of that nature. So it was quite interesting. When I was 23, I was, you know, on TV, City of Peterborough, making presentation for their, their insurance. Awesome. And sometimes getting challenged, you know, not yeah. all, uh, well, actually when I started, we were putting in like 30, 40% increases. So, uh, many counselors didn't like me much. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. No kidding. A little bit of trial by fire. I was called wet by behind the ears a couple of times. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure. Um, so that was good. But I, again, a lot of your, my confidence from a presentation, uh, stance was from student painters. Right. right. Student painters doesn't, you know, you're, you're not doing, you're not presenting in front of a crowd, but you're always learning to be on your feet, you know, on, Absolutely. On different ways you can say and things or approach, approach problems. Right. So that was, uh, that was good experience. Got out of that because it wasn't really, um, it, it was becoming more of an RFP process. There wasn't the appreciation of the services you provided, the claims you uh, how do you handle claims, things of that nature. So then I got into the what's called retail. And Rob, just, yep. to, just for our young leaders listening, what is an RFP process? And just explain, I knew what you meant, but just Sorry, to explain what they meant. Request for proposal. So mm-hmm. most people would call it a tender. Yes. Um, okay. So uh, municipality will say, okay, we, we appreciate what you've done in the past, but now we want to tender out our, our insurance. And... Typically, when you're tendering or RFP, it's lowest price. Yes. It's not what you did. It's not how you interpreted or, or looked after the claim so well or, um, you know, uh, that you're providing the best coverage. Although that is part of the analysis. Yes. It's, it's what have you done for us this year from a, from a price perspective. Yeah. So if, if you're purely just a price, that's, that's not for me. You know, it's, yeah, what's the incentive to do the extras, really? For sure. Yes. So that's why I got into the retail side, which is means... I, I was commercial, but it means any sort of commercial. I could write your, your corner store or, you know, your multinational. You, it's, it's whatever you could, uh, whatever you could win. Right. And uh, so I did that with Cowan. Did that for about 18 months. Led their sales for, you know, that whole process. And which is great. But started to realize, okay, I, I wanted some skin in the game. In other words, I want some ownership. And okay. there wasn't ever going to be that uh, with, uh, with the organization with Cowan at that time. Uh, so that's when I started looking at the other brokers, um, okay. what, who would offer some, um, potential for shares. Typically you don't come in and you're not immediately a shareholder. You have to prove your worth. Yes. Um, and so I like this organization out of London called Stevenson and Hunt, knew some of the partners there. 
and uh, came on with them. And in the five years, which is the minimum amount of time, I did then become a partner with them. So that was back in 2010. Right. Um, and that was the quickest process, and I was the youngest or youngest partner. So that was that was kind of nice as well. Right. Um, as a regret, you, you talk about different regrets. My regret was I didn't do that a long time ago. You right. know, realistically, I had to learn the insurance world a little. It's not that you start in 23 and become a producer. Of course. It's kind of what you call us the salespeople. You have to learn the, learn the business a little bit. Um, but I wish I would have become a producer, got in with the retail side much earlier. Because right. the sky's the limit. It it's, depends on, you know, who, who you can add, how much you can, how hard you work. Um, yes. And that's your, you're the, uh, you're in control of your destiny, really. Right. So in terms of, you know, for, for our leaders, because to me, at least, Rob, it always seems like I know insurance is huge. I know lots of people buy insurance. Obviously, Buffett's in insurance, like, you know, mm-hmm. one yeah, of the wealthiest sure. people in the world. Like, like, but but I really don't understand the insurance market very well about, you know, how you get involved and what drives the business. You know, maybe you can share with our with our uh, leaders like like more about about the industry and how it works. And and just sharing that is really helpful too. Hey, if you're a driver, if you're really successful looking to get some type of a of an ownership stake or a partnership stake makes sense. Okay. Yeah, insurance typically is you know has somewhat of a bad rap when they when you talk about an insurance salesperson um, mm-hmm. Uh, that's a lot of people's go-to uh, career, but primarily right. when you're when you're looking at that, you're thinking of a life insurance. Uh, yes, you know, a guy that that's working the his um, his connections through high school or whatever. Mm-hmm. Insurance is a massive industry. It's one of the four pillars of the financial uh, financial industry. So there's the personal line side, which I don't know the exact stats, but I'm going to say personal lines probably represents. 60, 65% of the overall premium in the, in the insurance industry. Okay. Um, but it's hard to differentiate yourself from a personal line standpoint. In other words, when you're buying your homeowners or your, your auto insurance, um, how, how do you select your broker? It's probably the ease of use. And, and then once you've picked that broker, it's an automatic renewal until you get yes. tired of that premium. And then you maybe shop, you call some, some other brokers. Right. So it's more, it's more price driven. It, you know, yes. It's really not about how you handle the claims and things of that nature. So most people have to start in the personal lines, learn learn kind of how insurance works. And uh, then if you want to get into the more complex side, you get into the commercial. Right. Because commercial, there's no standard wording. No one has to adhere to um, a government wording like the, what, the way the auto works. Um, and pricing is different. So your negotiation st- skills are very important within um, within the commercial insurance, because you are talking with, we have dozens of, of insurance companies we can approach on each individual risk. Right. And then you, how you present that risk to the insurers can obviously be a factor as well. Um, and you, you need to, you need to, I guess you need to understand their true risks. So you, you have to think like a risk manager, right. know, know what potential, um, calamities they could get themselves into, what, what perils they would have right. uh, using insurance lingo, and uh, how they then can control those risks. So in other words, what they can do from a contractual sense, um, and, you know, actions they can take to mitigate, to control yeah. that, uh, that exposure. Yes. And then once they've done that, you present it to the insurer, and this is why we think that's a reasonable rate for this, you know, Mr. Insurer, Mr. Underwriter. 
Mr. And Mrs. Underwood, right? Yes. And then uh, you get those different proposals back. You potentially do some further negotiation. Then you take it to your to your client, and this is what the best way market can offer. Here's the different types of coverages you may want to consider adding. Right. Um, and uh, that's that's kind of our proposal process. There's a lot more to it, but I'll bore no, the hell. No, well, no, I think like. Uh, no, I think you've done a really great job. And again, speaking at the right level, you know, like, because I think we have to talk conceptually for people to understand, even for me to understand, because there is an enormous part, you know, for our leaders, you know, understanding insurance. But one of the things that I wanted you to wanted people to get is, is that so first of all, Rob is is or, or as an insurance broker, you are representing your clients. Okay, right. and here's here's what they need and companies need insurance. And then going out to the marketplace to, to go and see, okay, what, there's a bunch of t- potential companies who, who can provide that insurance, let's go talk with them and who's interested in taking on their, this risk. And just to sort of share so that our, uh, you know, just to share sort of, sort of um, our experience, we have a broker and I guess, you know, how do you bump into a broker? Well, I met him through an organization and he's become mm-hmm. a friend. And now really he's he's one of the people I would say who's like, you know, one of those people we call on when we've got issues. And sometimes the issues, of course they're insurance related, but they're 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 broad. It's it's like very business oriented, very knowledgeable, you know, and it's like, you know, Steve is hey, someone who, you know, first of all is a friend, but someone who, hey, I call him. He's my friend. He's got my back. And I'm sure there's a bunch of people who think that way about you. And so that for me to go and change my broker, why would I do that? Like, right. he's, he's, and and to, to sort of share something else to make it real, what you're saying is he helps us mitigate risk. So he's at, we you know, again, he understands my business. His son actually did our business, but he <laughs> understands our business and he'll, he'll sort of say, well, here are some ideas. So now we actually, uh, before, you know, we didn't back in your day, but here's how to mitigate risk operators. Sure. Here and we have pictures of of things that that have happened poorly over the years. Let's make sure this doesn't happen. And this is how to do this. And he's brought other experiences that he's had to help us mitigate risk, which makes us a better client. Exactly. So, so those are That's some right. things that happen. Yeah. Proves your loss history, therefore, and should improve your, your premium long run and that, everything else. That, 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 that is very true. Mm-hmm. And you want to become, you know, term we commonly use is a trusted advisor. You know, yes. Yeah. Similar to their accountant or, or, or banking relationship. You want to be, yeah, yeah. someone that they can rely on. And we do get a lot of experience because you see so many different businesses and how they, they, they operate or the contracts they, uh, you know, yes. they, they get into um, that you can provide a, a, you know, a wide background of, of information to them. You know, you, you can. Yeah, no. And, and, and again, like you just, it's kind of, you see different frames, right? Oh yeah. Look at how they dealt with this. Oh, this might be interesting. This might be valuable. Right. And, yeah, and yeah. so it, it really is an opportunity uh, to do well. And, and my sense is, is, is as a result versus the RFP or tendering, you know, right. where you're commoditized again, what you're doing is something that's very specialized, very unique, very differentiated where that, that then you can really create real value for clients and then also um, create obviously a lot of profit, you know, and, and value for yourself and your family. 
Sure. I, I, I yeah, believe we've done very, very well as, as a result. It yeah. takes a long time to build up a book. Yes. I was lucky to have done it to that size within five years. Most, it, it doesn't typically work out that way. Mm-hmm. But, uh, you know, I've, been, I've, I've doubled again s- since then. So it, I've got a great group of clients. Mm-hmm. Um, I was able to add some other people to help me now, help yes. you know, an- another me. So it allows yeah. me a little bit more capacity there. Uh, yeah. But, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm pretty happy. But one of the best things we do is the new business as well. You know, when, right. when you're working on, uh, working with an, a new organization to try and help them in insurance. Because uh, you get to know their new business uh, model and right. uh, I enjoy that quite a bit as well. So, so, you know, just for our young leaders, is, is the insurance business... Like, is there the same opportunity there is now that as there used to be a couple decades ago? And obviously, we're talking for good people, et cetera. What do you, how do you see that, Rob? Yeah, I, I do see a lot of opportunity uh, for the future. The insurance companies are looking to go more direct now than they, than they yes. have in the past. Yes. And I think that's a lot of just today's uh, technology and, and um, the, you know, gener- new generations, you know, using use of media. Um, you know, uh, shop on the internet versus yes, uh, what they absolutely. your local broker, your, your small local broker was, um, you know, wrote a, a high percentage of the overall premium. Now they don't. The local yes. brokers are mostly having to sell, you know, they, yeah. the small operators, I don't know how to define them to, you know, let's I say under 20 employees yeah. um, are mostly having to sell and they're usually selling to an insurance company that have their direct writers. Um, so if you're getting into insurance and want to be in the broker side, I would say commercials where the, the future yeah. is. Yeah. Because uh, it, it, it'd be tough to, um, to buy that online. You know, you, 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 tend, yes. you tend to need yeah. something specialized because there's no, you know, there's no, there's no um, cookie cutter product out there that fits. Yes. All, yeah. Right? Like we're, you know, our business, we're a really unique business, you know? So it's like, it's like, they've really got to go sell themselves, you know, here's what they do and here's their track record and here. So yeah, it's very, you know, you can't just go, Oh yeah. A bunch of people doing what he's doing. And when Chris Thompson gets his insurance renewal and it's, it's you know, it's that high and it's, yeah. you know, the wordings and it's 50 pages per policy. Do you read the wording? No, no. You, you need to rely on the, yes, your, the broker and get it done properly. So back to the future. Yeah, I, I do think there's a lot of future there. I'm not as confident on the personal lines. As we get into the autonomous vehicles, um, you know, Tesla's, you know, looking to yes. create their own insurance product for their, for their cars. To me, that makes a lot of sense. Yes. Tesla, if, if it's an autonomous vehicle, how is it the individual driver owner's liability? Really, it's yes. Tesla's liability that if, if they end up having a crash. So I do see a trend that way, but you know, it'll be a decade before we start to really feel that effect. Hey leaders, I hope you're enjoying this episode so far. Since we started this podcast, every person you've heard from has been one of the incredible alumni of the Student Works Management Program. In large part, that's how I got to meet these amazing people and participate in their development. Starting now and only for the next few weeks, we'll be on campuses across Ontario, Quebec, and the East Coast, interviewing students who think they have what it takes to start their first business and get started down the path of entrepreneurship. If you think you have what it takes or know someone who might be interested, visit leaderspodcast.ca slash apply and start your application process today.
Once again, it's leaderspodcast.ca slash apply. Now back to the episode. So how did you know that running a business was the right thing for you or, or becoming a partner was the right thing for you? What were the signs, Rob? Mm. Lack of control. Yeah, you know what I mean? Things weren't going the way you would have done it. Yeah. Um, so yeah, if, if you have that internal impatience that you, you know you could do it better, then you, you know you probably should be running your own business. Right. Um, my apprehension to that was I never really wanted to get into the HR issues and, and uh, was I uh, empathetic enough to, uh, to be, uh, you know, a, a leader of an organization with, you know, multiple employees. And, and that's where I found the right fit. Mm-hmm. I'm a partner, mm-hmm. but we have, we have, you know, COO, COO that, that's looking after a lot of the operational issues. I get to right. look primarily after my own book. We still right. provide the, the advice from a direction standpoint, mm-hmm. but primarily uh, we, we don't have to deal with a lot of the day-to-day issues that I'm not sure I'd be great at or have the patience for. So right. when did I know? I knew at a university that was, uh, that was my plan. Right. Um, and my, my plan was actually always to buy one of those small brokerages okay. you know, and, and, and build it. Uh, the organization I was working for, Frank Cowan, that's how he started. He just, he found this niche of municipalities and he built it. And Frank Cowan just sold for a billion dollars. So, you know, he, he, Frank Cowan did very well. Unfortunately, he's passed. What a fantastic yeah. man he was. Yeah. But that gives you an idea of the, the, the upside of, of uh, what you can get to an insurance. Right. Um, so kind of did my thing with Frank Cowan. Uh, when I started looking at shares, that's why I made this, uh, this move, but I kind of always had that, uh, you know, that grumbling, that internal need that I, I did want to have uh, some control of my own destiny, not just be a salaried employee. So, For sure. Well, the other thing as well is, is, is it, is it also makes sense? Like really what I hear Rob is you're basically saying what you're really great at is you know, selling, marketing, delivering services to clients, and and that's the space you want to operate in. And that one of the best things we can do as leaders is understand, here are the things I'm really great at, spend my time here. You know, I I understand that these are the things I'm good at, I just spend my time here. And then, you know, as, as an organization grows, you can have other people who are dealing with other areas where you're not as strong in, and they yes. can be better so that you can do what you're good at, they can do what they're good at, and your organization thrives. So, yeah. so I think that's... Along that line, you're right. So in my first decade in insurance, that's when I said I somewhat regret it. They actually put me through a training program because I was going to be a, you know, either VP of underwriting or VP of, of claims because both yeah. were, were going to need a next step here shortly. And when I came back out of the, out of the field and, and did that, I want to spend, I think I spent a year and a half, two years, I didn't like it. You know, the... Yeah. the the punch on the clock, the missing the, the, the clients. Yeah. Um, so I quickly realized, okay, that's where my strength is. I'm not a manager of people. Mm-hmm. And so it took me a decade to figure that out, which is, a, you know, right. unfortunate, but, you know, at least, at least you did. At least I did. Yeah, uh, no. yeah for sure. For sure. Um, and also as well, I'm not so sure you're not a manager of people. You're not a manager in the way they wanted you to manage in that industry. Because, you know, certainly you're a very strong district manager. So I think it's more in uh, that, the way that industry operates, you know, in, in, in an office format, that sort of thing. And I could see that being very confining for me, too. And again, if one thing I am is a manager and a leader, but I wouldn't want to be in that type of environment. 
Yeah. I'm a better manager by example, I guess. And, yeah. uh, you know, that's, uh, or lead by example. So lead that, by example, yeah. that, uh, yeah, that, that doesn't, that doesn't actually fit for, for all in insurance for sure. Exactly. So what about, you know, big failures or mistakes, anything stand out there, Rob, and, and, and ways that you, you know, how'd you learn from those? Well, I mentioned being, I guess, I guess complacent because, you know, you yeah. I was making a good salary and not, uh, not making that leap um, entrepreneurial wise earlier. Sorry, I didn't, uh, I didn't give that one some thought ahead of time. That's okay. uh, I'm, I'm sure we've all, we've all had some mistakes. Yeah. And, and, you know, it's in general, you know, when I lose a client, um, sometimes you're just surprised or sometimes they, they've sold to another organization. So you're, you're no longer handling insurance, but in a couple of cases I've, you know, it was maybe compliant. Maybe I didn't get out to them uh, right. complacent and didn't get out to them enough or uh, um, wasn't on top of what the newest insurance products were. Um, right. So you, you, you do have to be, you have to continue to do your homework. You have to be well-read. Um, right. And every so often you get a slap in the face going, oh yeah, you know, smart enough. Yeah. Um, we talked about golf earlier. You, you know, it doesn't allow you a lot of time. You think insurance guys golf all the time. Well, <laughs> Yeah, uh, maybe the poor ones do, but yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Rob's not golfing much, guys. Oh, you don't have a lot of time. No. <laughs> <laughs> Rob and I still aren't golfing much. We, we, you know, we're 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 hoping, we're hoping, but yeah, not 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 enough time to golf. Um, and and again, it's something that I do often. Rob is I'm always judging myself and try not to be too harsh about my judgments with myself. But where did I miss? Okay, what was okay? You know, and again, because because. One thing that's, I think it's a natural human condition is, is we're hard on ourselves, especially mm-hmm. to our performers. Oh, you, you tell me you shouldn't have done that. No, no. Okay. Hold on. What was it? Okay. That's the lesson there. Okay. Let's make sure. Okay. And then what might be happening right now? Where's there an issue? Like whenever we'll have things pop up, Rob, you know, on the safety front or, or, you know, a concern, we'll, you know, let's go check in everywhere. How are we doing that? You know, is that an issue? Is that an issue? So it's, it's like, again, taking that, that will you know, bad flag and sort of seeing if we can put it, you know, m- make sure we get that lesson to sort of see if we can, you know, make something happen in a good way um, and learn from our lesson. Well, yeah. And, and learning from your lessons is, is extremely important. But student painter sales, as I said, was very, very important in, in learning. Yeah. And, and, and you, you, you learn to observe people and how they react to certain questions you may, you may have, especially yeah. on the sales process. And then you start to, you know, so now I'm more commercial. Yes. Um, so a lot of the different things you have to learn by the triggers, uh, uh, commitments, we have to do what's called pre-qualifying. Yes. Um, and that's something we really didn't have to do in student painters. Maybe you've, you, maybe you've, uh, changed your sales process a little bit, but if you don't pre-qualify, uh, within our industry, you can waste a whole bunch of time going down a path and providing this great proposal only to have it flipped to their existing broker. Can you do this? And the broker says, um, yeah, sure. Why not? So if you don't get a full commitment from the client ahead of time, you just don't go down that path. And yeah. uh, so every broker pretty well learns that the hard way. You know, yeah. you, you go, Oh, you're going to me a chance to quote. Great. And then, then you just ended up wasting your time without pre-qualifying. That's a uh, um, sort of a sort of a uh, a sales strategy specifically with insurance, right? It's like you know I can give you this if you qualify, sign up here, and then I'll yes. see when you actually know they've requalified. So yes, yes. Uh, so I yes, <laughs> I've seen that game played because all one well all salespeople are always interested to see how people how how they're being sold. 
right? And, yeah. But but I know on the other uh, other hand is certainly our one of the best things about our program is because we've had so many great people go through our program and do really well in sales. They come back and teach us things, and then we'll add them. We'll add them to the program and make more more headway, which is which is awesome. So, um, as you went from like a university student to a business owner slash value creator in the full time world, what did you need to change about yourself, Rob? Probably my aggressiveness. I had to tone that down. Would be one of the areas because you you do have to think long term. In other words, if you so as I say, one of the big things we have to do is negotiate with uh, you know, with insurers, and you, and and when you're doing that, you're usually dealing with an individual underwriter. Right. You have to play the long term game. It's not all about winning. You know, battle. every battle. Yeah. Um. So you have to you have to gain their mutual respect, yeah. and. So that was an area I had to improve because being a competitive guy, I wanted to, uh, you know, win every time. And sometimes there just was no flexibility or whatever the case. So building a rapport with each company and with each underwriter, which takes a lot of time, is important. So they believe what you're saying. um, Sometimes you can just be a blowhard and people out there that have reputations being a liar, so they don't even bother uh, yeah. quoting them or, or, or if they do give them, it's, it's, it's not great rates. So that was a challenge for me. And, you know, I, I definitely did burn some bridges because I, uh, I was too aggressive. Yep. Yeah. yeah. Um, so that's, that certainly changed. Um, making sure you get firm commitments, both internally, um, and, and, uh, when you're dealing outside of it. So, yeah, I, I get along the pre-qualifying. You spell out. So this is my understanding. And you boom, boom, boom. You agree. So you, you learn to use open-ended and closed you know, uh, and questions. And if you get to a, you know, to a, a definitive yes or no question, if you get something other than that, then you learn, okay, then I obviously need to dig in further because I'm, you're not giving me the commitment I, I, I want. Right. Um, so with, with talking in generalities, because, you know, you get burnt in your career many times that, oh, you took off... You, you took that wishy-washy answer to be a yes if you're looking for a yes. Yes. And then you turn out later and find out, no, that wasn't that that, that wasn't my that's not what I meant by that. Okay. So, you know, push for that uh, that direct answer to the direct question. Yeah. Yeah. And actually I'd love if you could go back as well, because this is something that's really interesting about a number of industries, but it speaks to the value of your word. Um, and just about dealing with underwriters. Cause again, my friend. My, my my friend, it's it's uh, he's very very successful. Our insurer and and my my sense is it's like you're really looking to build a group of customers who actually have low claims, right? Yeah. And then you sell them to your best insurer that they have no low claims, and you actually get bonuses back because you've got a bunch of good customers. So maybe you can explain how that works and and. You know, again, it's it's kind of understanding your customers, understanding that they're running good businesses, you know, and then, you know, selling it to your insurance company, maybe understand, explaining that to our leaders. Yeah, your your organization's uh, loss ratio as a whole is, is very important to uh, the, the companies. Yeah. So, you know, we deal with a whole variety, but let's say it's Inva- Aviva or Intact, uh, commonly yes. known names. Yeah. If we are maintaining a really bad uh, loss ratio with Aviva, you're probably not going to get favors or, or, or great rates because yes. 
you know, if something's coming from, from you, then that they, they are, they're apprehensive. Yes. Um, but they also look at that individually with, with the offices. So I, you know, I work out of London, Ontario. Right. Um, so our, you know, how, how was London, Ontario performing for us? Right. Uh, or how was Rob Dempsey's team uh, performing? performing? Yeah. And so they, they will look at it, you know, in, in somewhat individually that way. And that's what I have created is, is a great group of clients that do everything they can. You know, we talked about mitigating the, their, their, their losses or exposures. Yes. They do everything they can. So they work with me on, on all the differing advice that way. And so as a result, you know, touch wood when I say it because yes, there's of course. So luck involved. Yeah. But uh, they, we keep a good loss history, loss mm-hmm. ratio, and therefore companies stay on. I tend to specialize in, in areas that are really difficult to place. Anyone yeah. can do the, the easy stuff. Yes. I, I won't give you any examples, but yes. there's, there's lots of e- easy stuff. And I'm happy to have that, but it's hard to differentiate yourself when you're going at, you know, after that as, as, as new business. Right. Anyway, so tend to be in the more difficult the place. You find the unique ways you can make them a better risk and yeah. then insurers get on, get on board. So yes, your overall loss history, your experience with them um, is important. But there's also, there's also situations where you have to be honest. You, you know, if there's brokers that submit um, a proposal to an insurer, but they maybe fudge the revenue numbers and, right. and, and all general liabilities based on revenue or the values on, on the property or, you know, they look at ways to get the premium down and that's really not the best way to get appropriate coverage, but it really hurts the insurer. Um, so when the insurers find out those things, it that tarnishes the relationship long term, right? No kidding. You never yeah. want to be you never, never want to be those type of brokers. There are clients that want that as a broker. It's just bottom line, bottom line, bottom line. Yeah. Um, those aren't for me. You know, the, those those let let them be with those type of brokers. One hundred percent. No, I think that's I think that's really great. And again, it's playing the long term, playing high integrity, uh, you know, and working with customers as well. You know, rather find a customer who you can help train in the business, right? Help them understand, hey, how to be a better insurance uh, risk. And by the way, if your business is a better insurance risk, your business is actually going to be better managed and make more money. So, yeah. so, the, so, so there really is a win-win-win for the broker, for the insurance company, for the company. And like yeah. you said, you don't always know. Uh, this year, we've had we've, we we have not had an insurance claim uh, yet. So, right. so that's a really great that's a really great thing. It doesn't happen when you know very often. Like typically, we'll have you know one a year at the scale of business that we're doing six thousand jobs. You know, to have one claim is, is yeah. You know, say, yeah. yeah, yeah, that you're, you're going to happen, and obviously, you hope that they are small. <laughs> so yeah, but you go to those clients and you almost make a business uh, case, business model for this is why you, you know, put your drivers through a, you know defensive driver training every three years. Yes. You know, yeah, because you know this will improve the rates long term. So you're always thinking long term. Right now, you know, do you really want that extra? Let's say it's twenty thousand yes. dollars. No, but in the long run, think what think what that's going to do for you rate wise. You know, exactly. Uh, you, you look at it from a business perspective. Yeah. So, Rob, if someone wanted to do what you did, what or or do what key habits would they want to steal from you? What's the secret to your success? You know, doing something like student student painters, and and it was a fantastic experience for me, is very very important 
to, to be able, you know, the biggest thing I, I guess I do, I think, is I read people well. Um, and it's very, very important to do that. Right. Probably in any industry, but I, I certainly find it in, 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 in mine. Um, so it's, it's not just sales. I don't really like to think of myself as, as a salesperson, yeah. right? You're, you're, you're servicing the, uh, your clients. Your value, contri- contributing value. Yeah, that's right. To Trust the yeah. Right. yeah. Um, but to do that, you have to be able to, you know, influence. You know, if you're going to talk them into that defensive driving scenario, well, you, yes. you, you have to give them a, a reason behind, you know, why, why you do it. And you have to be, you know, you have to influence them. But you have to be able to read their, their, their take on it, you know. Yes. Um, and, uh, and, and react accordingly. So that would be the biggest thing. Get a lot of experience dealing with a whole variety of people. Um, mm-hmm. cause you do have to be a little bit of, when I say a chameleon, you have to change your approach with, with differing opinion, right? Not everyone works in the same manner. So, uh, what else? So back to your question was what, what, what's important to learn? Yeah. You got to know your, no matter what your, selling or you're getting into, you got to know your product very, very well. Invest the time yeah. into the, the product. And in my case, the product is, is the insurance wordings, you know? Okay. Um, so you have to know them very well to be able to proper, properly service. Um, so invest the time in that, that way. If you got if you're getting into insurance, so get a, get a foundation, you know, l- learn personal lines or learn. I started with, uh, it was a great training program. So they put me in underwriting for a bit. They put me in claim side for, right. for a little bit. Um, and so then I learned a little personal lines and quickly I was then sent out in the field to, you know, go sell. Go sell um, businesses. Yeah. <laughs> and the, uh, the, yeah, so no matter what industry you're getting, know all different aspects of the industry. So you have a foundation there in which you can work on. Awesome. Awesome. And our final question. When you think of a leader of tomorrow, what comes to mind? Okay. Uh, not in my industry, but in, in, in general. Any industry, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I just read uh, Elon Musk's book, and I got to say, oh. I was extremely motivated by that. Awesome. Like, what a forward thinker. So yeah. I, that's immediately, because I just read the book, that is that is the person I'm, I'm uh, thinking about, that a combination of understanding technology um, with, with the business mind. He's, He's extremely in, in, intelligent from the engineering, but you know the uh, you know computer engineering, but also is is a is is an ability to analyze quickly the the numbers or risks associated with every yeah. different path is phenomenal. Um, so I certainly I'm not a good example. We had lots of fun trying to set up this video that I'm not a, a tech, <laughs> technology uh, leader by any means. Yeah, but I, I think that's an important to understand. Um, you have to understand today's coding software, yeah. whatever the case, yeah. uh, capabilities to know what the future is going, going to be. But you know, you can't get away from the, the underlying business side of it. You have to know, you have to know your numbers and how to market it. Right. Yeah. Yeah. No, it's, I, it, you know, you bring up Elon Musk. I've read, read the same book and I, 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 he really is inspiring and inspiring with really what a world vision, you know, and again, uh, so uh, globally focused, environmentally focused, economically focused, digitally and technologically focused. Um, it really is inspiring. It's hard not to look at somebody like that and go, what am I doing? Right. Like, you know, just compare and contrast go, Man, you got a long way to go, and and I, I recommend to our leaders listening: don't do that to yourself. Just just be inspired, right? Like yeah, yeah. like comparison. I think comparison um, when when we feel bad doesn't work. 
you know, get off that. No, no, no. You know, like again, you know, two very successful people, Rob and I feel really, uh, again, a lot less than Elon Musk. And <laughs> so, but just again, feel inspired and that he's really going out and creating something in the world, which is, which is awesome. Yeah. So the ability to communicate is also very important. And, and that, I know that seems uh, kind of an obvious sure. to you and I, yeah. but we didn't grow up in the same sort of technology, social media, right? Uh, yeah. So the face-to-face communication is very, very important uh, to be able to influence um, yeah. and, uh, you know, communicate with your own coworkers in, in, a, in a good team environment. Yeah. Um, I, I do somewhat worry about that, but times are changing. So I think that is, it's, it's a, that's, that's the combination the, uh, no, I the, th- the next leader will need. Yeah, no, and I think I think you're right. Like, I think, you know, first of all, there's so much more communication being done by text, being done, you know, through social media, doing, you know, et cetera. And, and there's no question that ultimately over the desk, over, you know, over over a coffee, over the, the table, you know, at, you know, golf games or whatever, all sorts of decisions get made because of interpersonal relationships. And as you speak about that experience about, doing it and starting early is such a huge advantage because you've just got, it's reps. It's like, you know, in football, you're, you know, big football player. I was a swimmer. It's like reps. You just get more and more reps in, you get better and better, you know, especially yeah. again with deliberate practice. It comes so, natural. Yeah. Yes, exactly. So uh, Rob, thank you very much for joining us on, on today's podcast. Really appreciate it. And jumping it. Yeah. through the hoops uh, to, to figure out the technology he had to get off his, uh, his, <laughs> yeah. his, his you know, uh, insurance company locks it down and all, all, all sorts of good fun to get, get, get. There we go. It was definitely worth it. Yeah. Okay. Thanks. Thanks so much, uh, Rob. And I uh, really appreciate it. Thanks, Chris. Take care. Okay. Cheers. Hey leaders, I hope you enjoyed this episode. By now, you are aware that we work with ambitious students every single year to not only help them run their first successful business, but to further their development as a leader and give them an unfair advantage in the future over their counterparts. It's why starting now and only for the next few weeks, we'll be on campuses across Ontario, Quebec and the East Coast interviewing students who think they have what it takes to start their first business and get started down the path of entrepreneurship. If you think you have what it takes or know someone who might be interested, visit leaderspodcast.ca slash apply and start your application process today. Once again, it's leaderspodcast.ca slash apply. And I can't wait to see you on the other side.